0: No. Mm-hmm.
1: It's 9.28, Merlin on Too Good To Be Forgotten, part of One if I Breakfast, of course, here till 10 o'clock. Linda Ness, the big smiley Linda Ness, of course, is in through the building, just give me a big wave and putting the kettle on, which I'm glad to see. Right, I've been joined in the studio now by um, uh, my fantastic guest this morning, Jenny Fox. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. So you're studying a BA, aren't you, in Enterprise and Entrepreneurial Management? Yes, it's got a nice long title. I tried saying that yeah. at half past 7 this morning. <laughs> it was like putting my teeth out. So can you explain a
2: little bit about what that course is and what that means? So basically, we it's sort of um, the best way of describing it is a sort of a hands-on business management degree with sort of it's not it's not like a business management degree and it's not like a sort of vocational degree. It's sort of a mixture of the two with an academic content and also a hands-on approach and putting everything into practice. So
1: it's not just the theory, it's both. It's, it's yeah. mixing. It's like, like an apprenticeship in theory, but at a degree level without, without the employment. Is that kind of the theory behind it? So you're, you're putting everything you're learning into practice? Yeah fantastic and that's at the anglia ruskin university isn't it yes it is yeah. fantastic so what's the event you're actually running can you tell us a bit more about it
2: yeah as part of our final year project instead of doing a sort of main dissertation we do a major charity event and then write about it and um, so we're doing an event called bid for water 2014 which is a charity auction and dinner in aid of WaterAid. and why did you choose WaterAid? Um, it was something that we all thought that we were kind of passionate about because we take it for granted that you get up in the morning, you turn on the shower, you put on the kettle, water just comes out of the tap, that's how it is. But there are so many millions of people in the world for, for whom that's not the case. So we thought we'd try and sort of make an impact and do something about that.
1: Okay. Uh, so... I mean, the first question is: is how can people get involved? Then, so you've got this event coming up. When is it? Can you just give us the dates? Yeah, it's the 29th
2: ninth of March, twenty fourteen. So that's the last Saturday in March. Fantastic. And where is it taking place? It's taking place at Downing College in Cambridge, just off Regent Street. Okay, lovely location. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful um, location. And it's somewhere that you can't just go into. Well, I mean, you can you can have a look around the grounds, but you can't go in and have a dinner. So it's that's why we thought it was something extra. So it's a sit down
1: meal. Yeah. Uh, charity auction at the end, of course, and yes. I'm assuming entertainment as well with drinks.
2: Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so we'll, have, we'll have a champagne reception followed by a three-course dinner and then the auction and that's that'll be sort of the, the night.
1: That sounds fantastic. I don't think I might have to come along to this. Yeah.
2: Right, so tickets, how can I get them? Yeah, we have a website which is www.com.au bidforwater.com and that has all the different options for the tickets so you can buy individual tickets ones for couples or you can have um, a table of ten if you're a company or if you have lots of friends oh
1: okay might, might bring some friends along then. that sounds, sounds too good to be too good to be missing really um, okay so we've got that one down what I really want to know from you is you, you can there's a lot of work that goes into this obviously I can understand that there's five of you yes what, have you taken on different roles? How's that worked? I mean, what, what, what role have you taken in the group?
2: We, we've all sort of taken on different roles, but because our networks sort of overlap, it's quite difficult to split you into a specific yeah. groups. So we're, we're, we're all sort of working together and um, bringing different ideas to the table, and then those that have the greatest strengths in a certain area are picking that up. So I'm at the moment, I'm going around looking for sponsorship from um, local companies who might want to get involved with this great project. So how
1: can I do that? if they wanted to
2: yeah there's more information about that on our website we have three main packages for um, sponsorship and obviously that will bring different levels of advertising for your business and we're also offering a fourth package at the moment which you can have your logo put in our auction booklet and on our website, and that's that's if you want to give a small amount of support, but something that's really valuable rather than um, sponsoring a certain element of the night, sort of like the drink sponsor or something along those lines. Something that's something that's affordable,
1: but because especially this time of year, especially when you know businesses are still struggling, it's quite nice to know there's always some way to get involved.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have any way you want to get involved, by offering an auction lot, by um, sponsoring a certain element of the event or just giving a small amount of um, support towards it will recognize your business and be hugely grateful for that.
1: Okay and um, so at the end of this you do your dissertation and you get your degree out of this. Yes.
2: Um, So the money you're raising what kind of things will it be funding do you know? Um, We've actually managed to speak to WaterAid and they've been really helpful and they said that we could specifically send our money to the Monzi district of Zambia which is an area where they've identified a particular need for um funding at this moment where there's a funding gap in the projects that they're running okay and um
1: auction items you mentioned the auction obviously um what kind of items have you got coming up i had a little look on your website i will admit i was quite quite taken (laughs) aback by some of them what have you got on offer
2: um we've got we've got a huge range of different types of things so we've got a balloon flight we've got most, most importantly, I would probably say, is um, Frankie de Tori's signed racing breeches. So, something you definitely can't just pick up in the high street, <laughs> and something you only get at coming to something like this.
1: Okay, fantastic. You, you're really selling this one to me. Um, so again, w- roughly, what are tickets costing at the moment? Uh,
2: individual tickets are eighty-five pounds each, or you can buy a table of ten for seven seven hundred and fifty pounds, which is seven, seventy-five pounds each.
1: Okay, all right. Well, what we'll do is um, we'll go to another track and we'll, we'll have another chat about a bit more about the event and a bit about you because you, of course, came in and spoke to Neil, didn't you? Because you did a charity event before, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, we'll find out more about that one well. right. I'm still, of course, joined in the studio. Good morning. Thank you for coming back. Uh, let's stick. Around with us this morning, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. So you came in, of course, a while ago to talk to Neil. Was, uh, was it Neil? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was Neil about um, your trek. Now, how did that go? Because you went up Mount Kilimanjaro, which to me sounds like crazy things to do.
2: Yeah. Um. It was. It was good fun. It went really well. I made it to the top, which was obviously the main the main goal. Uh, the final day was pretty brutal, but the rest of it was really enjoyable, actually.
1: And that was for what charity?
2: It was for Chicks, which is country holidays for inner city kids. So they send children away for five days to have a break from home either they're young carers or there's some reason why they need to get away and from their family situation so that we bring them away and do activities with them and build their confidence and send them back happier kids sounds fantastic
1: wow well done i'm very i wouldn't be able to do that i can do marathons i can't do mount Kilimanjaro. you see i'm the opposite i I,
2: I can't i can't run a marathon but I can, I can climb for eight days, that's fine. That
1: sounds good. Right, going back to your event then, uh, of course, Bid for Water uh, 2014. You've got some pretty impressive guests coming, haven't you? Can you tell me about who you've got booked and who you've got coming along?
2: Yeah, we're delighted to say that both the Mayor of Cambridge, uh, Councillor Paul Saunders, has confirmed his attendance, and also the MP, Julian Huppert. So we've got two really high-profile guests, which you don't get to meet them every day, and it will be really a great opportunity to kind of meet really well-known people from the local area
1: okay um so we were talking earlier about how businesses can get involved um and i think the one thing that's very clear is you said earlier about a sponsorship package of just getting your advert in the um in the brochure you're talking about what's that going to cost
2: um to be in our brochure and a little bit um on our website that will be 100 pounds which is a way that we think that most um businesses either small or medium can get it can get involved um and get their sort of publicity out there but without spending an absolute fortune
1: okay fantastic so there's always a way to get involved in these yeah. events just finding the way isn't it It's a lot of the way prices is up the market otherwise okay so that's bid for water that's on the 29th of march 2014 so it's three course dinner am i correct yes Yes. Yeah. Yeah. sounds good and of course drinks and of course the auction afterwards so come on sell it to me give me one last push why should people come along
2: um It'll be a great evening, it'll be great fun. So you get a three course dinner with um delicious food and also in Downing College, which is somewhere that you can't just go in and have a meal. So if you want to see the sort of or get the opportunity to be inside one of the fantastic sort of landmarks of Cambridge, having a three course dinner and having the opportunity to have lots such as Frankie Detori's racing breeches, which is something you don't you don't get every day. I still smile at that. I don't know why I'm <laughs> smiling
1: at that, but I love the idea of being able to own something like that. Yeah.
2: It, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant opportunity just to get involved Have a great evening and do something for a really worthy cause. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Jenny, for
1: coming in. I wish you
2: the best of luck with it. I will try
1: and dust out my tux and maybe I'll come along as well with the other half. I think it sounds like a good night. And if you're listening and you want to get your tickets, go online. Bidforwater.com is the best place to do it. You can also follow them on Twitter and it's all on the website.
3: From 10 till 1.
1: Mid mornings with Linda Ness.
3: Today, I'm delighted to have in the studio Bev Sedley from Cambridge Carbon Footprint. Now, we've had a representative of Cambridge Carbon Footprint on the show before, and we know that they do a great job in promoting methods of behaviour that enhance the environment and educate people to live more sustainably. Bev is here today to tell us about a conference they're running on Saturday the 8th of February called Food for a Greener Future. So, welcome to Cambridge 105, Bev. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Good, good. We're very, very pleased to have you. So, the Food for a Greener Future conference... What topics are you going to be covering there?
4: Well, basically, a lot of the topics are to do with what is sustainable food? You mentioned the word sustainable in your introduction. Mm -hmm. And people might say, well, what exactly does sustainable mean? I've heard it, but, well, a very short definition is food that is both good for us, healthy and delicious, and good for the planet, doesn't totally use up the resources of our planet. And what that means in, in practice is a lot of the problems that you've probably read about um, in the papers and seen on the news, for example, the obesity epidemic that seems to be overtaking us mm-hmm, at the moment mm-hmm. and also the horse meat scandal where it appears that a lot of the supermarkets don't really have control of their food chains. Yeah. They don't actually know what's what's going on. Well, a lot of that is because our food system has become so globalized that people can't keep a track of it. We get food imported from all over everywhere. We import more of our food than is local. And a lot of these problems would be solved if we ate more seasonal local food, which is also delicious and good for the economy. Mm -hmm. And And a bit less meat and dairy as well, because... Livestock is one of the biggest contributors to carbon footprint, which is causing climate change. So it's a a major, major problem that some of your listeners may have heard about. Mm -hmm. So some of the speakers will be talking about that background and others of the speakers will be saying, OK, what's going on in the UK to do something about this, to Mm -hmm. help this situation? And there we've got the wonderful Mike Small from the Fife Diet, who's going to talk about Scotland's local food revolution. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent speaker, and they have a wonderful website that explains exactly what they're yes, doing. Yes, I've actually looked at that website.
3: Oh, um, great. Yeah, and, and it's very, very good, actually. It's a, it's a great website and,
4: and has a good film on it as well that discusses what they're doing. So, well worth a visit if you're interested okay, in that. OK, check it out afterwards, mm-hmm. the, the, the Fife Diet.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: We've also got somebody talking about food waste. Quite recently, there was another, yet another report on how bad food waste is. Between 20 and 30% of our food gets wasted yeah. before it reaches our plate, which is, considering a lot of the world is hungry, is a, is a, a global scandal, really. Yeah. Yeah. So we have yeah. somebody talking specifically about that. Mm-hmm. And we also have some very practical things about Making the most of meat so we can eat less but still enjoy our, our locally sourced meat. Mm-hmm. And we have Tina Roach from the fabulous Cambridge Cookery School who is going to te- teach us about cooking February food using local seasonal food. Oh, fantastic. Which, uh, she's brilliant. That's, that's great. And, and I see you've got a lunch at the conference as well. And what, what considerations were made in putting that, that food together? Right, we wanted it to be delicious. That was our first consideration then we wanted it to be locally sourced so all the ingredients for this lunch come from within about 30 miles I think a little bit further than that but within Mm -hmm. East Anglia Mm -hmm. and also we wanted to make sure that um, partly to cut the cost down because meat is more expensive but we wanted to show that you can have a delicious lunch that is not dependent upon meat yes so we hope it's going to be really delicious and we're very excited. We'll have a little map to show you where everything comes from. Oh, that's great. That is fantastic. That is
3: really, really nice. And um, and what else can people expect to see at the conference, you know, other than the speakers and whatnot?
4: Well, we've got a lot of great stalls. For example, we have the wonderful Transition Cambridge Food Group. They have some terrific projects like their crop share project, uh, fruit picking, making use of fruit. Of Uh, fruit that would otherwise fall to the ground all around the the city and nobody would eat. They pick it and uh, use it. Mm -hmm. Um, And garden share so that people who haven't got gardens can help other people garden who can't garden like older people. Mm -hmm. So they have a number of wonderful food projects about growing your own food, using your own local food, helping local farmers. We also have the wonderful Hodmidods. I don't know if you knew. Hodmidods. That you could, it's a fantastic <laughs> title, isn't it? They are Norfolk bean producers. We can now actually get dried peas and beans that are grown in East Anglia. They've been grown in East Anglia for, for centuries and we always import them mm. to Egypt to feed and to feed cattle. In Egypt, people eat them. And now we're actually starting to produce our own so we don't have to eat just things imported from India. Uh There's this crazy global system where we can grow stuff here, but instead we import it from somewhere else. Yeah.
3: Which can't be cost effective, really. it can't
4: be cost effective. certainly no. not and, not
3: uh, impa- impacting the environment. So. yeah, absolutely,
4: absolutely. brilliantly. Well, and we have several other, like can bake, a community bakery, several other really fascinating stalls, and posters about how to eat sustainably, simple ideas that anybody can take home. Brilliant. Bev, the uh, the conference
3: will also see the launch of the Cambridge Sustainable Food Network. So, could you tell us a bit about that?
4: Yeah, this is something we're very excited about. There is a lot going on to do with sustainable food in Cambridge, but it hasn't been connected so far. Now, everything is coming together. We have city councillors, nutritionists, community workers, caterers, students, people from community food projects, food producers and suppliers all coming together to form the Cambridge Sustainable Food City. That's its name. It's very new, so it's changed its name Mm -hmm. again, which aims to promote our local food economy. It's to help us eat more healthily while reducing our food footprints and also, as well as helping the economy to celebrate our local food culture. We've got some fantastic food around here. And also, on a completely different note to help reduce food poverty because even in an affluent city like Cambridge, we are now seeing a major increase in the number of people receiving food parcels who are going to food Food banks and things. Mm. Food poverty is very much on the increase in Cambridge. So we're looking at food as a whole, about how we can be sustainable across the whole range. So at the conference... We're not only giving a short talk, but we're also launching our Cambridge Food Charter and we're encouraging people both in organisations, businesses and as individuals to sign up to this food charter and join our Cambridge Sustainable Food City. We think it's a a really great initiative. Mm.
3: It, It certainly sounds... You know... The way we source our food, I, I think it's becoming an increasingly kind of popular topic because I'm hearing a lot of people speaking about this now actually. Do you find that the interest in the
4: subject is generally picking up? Absolutely. And you only have to look at the, at the media. I mean, over the last few months there have been real front page splashes on topics like food waste that we mentioned before and the horse meat scandal, but also generally, how do we know what's gone into our food? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really worried about that. And the Food Standards Agency doesn't actually seem to have enough staff to test the food quickly enough Mm -hmm. to find out more about it. So people are really concerned about where their food comes from, which is why I think there's a massive increase in the number of people who want to get their food from local producers. They want to go and use the Sunday farmers market, use our regular a weekday market, which has some local growers on it. So they know the people, they know where it comes from, they trust them, they feel this food is safe for me to eat. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a big thing. And also the whole question of obesity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen some of the the figures, but they're saying that, that by 2050, well over half of us will be obese. That's not that's just right. overweight, but obese. Mm-hmm. And in children, it's, it's increasing massively year on year. Yeah. I think that's really scary at a time when we've got f- more food. We've got more food in the supermarkets, food from all over the world. It should be really healthy for us and somehow yeah. the, opposite the opposite seems to be happening. It's yeah. extraordinary yeah. and we feel that by coming back to local food, knowing where it comes from, eating healthily, and the good news, the really bit of good news is that eating in a way that's good for your body and delicious but is really healthy is also good for the planet. Mm-hmm. It's the same things that reduce the harm to the environment from agriculture. Yes. So we can do both. We don't have to sacrifice eating well and eating healthily in order to save the planet. Yes. We c- we can actually do both. They, they the fit same. together. It's one and the same thing yeah. and I think that's a really good piece of news. So If people want to know the answers to some of these big problems in the news, come to the conference and people will be talking about the answers, the solutions. This conference, do you think it's, is it aimed mainly, are you expecting mainly nutritionalists and food experts, you know, people like that? Or do you think that just anyone with any interest at all should should go? No, I hope that some experts and nutritionists will come. I think they'll enjoy it, but it's aimed at anybody who loves food, is interested in local food, in healthy food, And in eating in a way which improves the environment rather than destroying it. Mm -hmm. So I want people to come to the conference to find out the truth from experts expressed in a way we can all understand. I think that's the message. It's not Mm -hmm. going to be too techy. And also learn how we can be part of the solution. There are simple changes we can make to our diet that will be delicious and planet friendly. So there's lots of practical stuff, lots of takeaway ideas, And, uh, yeah, I think it's right for anybody who's interested in food, really. Mm, Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So, OK, how can people book? How do they get in touch? Simple. Go to www.cambridgecarbonfootprint.org. That's www.cambridgecarbonfootprint.org. And on the homepage, there's a bit about the conference, Food for a Greener Future, with a large green book tickets button so you can just press it. <laughs> okay. And you can book online. There's also a phone number on the website if you want to, uh, to phone about it too. Excellent. Well, it's been great having you in this morning, Bev, and I really hope this conference goes well. I'm sure it will, actually. It sounds like it's going to be excellent. Yes, we're selling a lot of tickets, so Uh don't wait too long before you book. Yes. And thank you very much for inviting me. Um, It's been a pleasure.
3: No, you're, you're absolutely, absolutely welcome. So thank you, Bev Sedley from Cambridge Carbon Footprint.
1: Cambridge
0: 105.
1: James Martin uh, from uh, the charity um, Winter Warmth is here. Hello, how are
5: you? Good morning, Merlin. Yeah, I'm fine. Thank a little you. bit down.
1: Thank you. for braving the weather and coming in this morning. I really appreciate your time today. So, um, obviously, you have come in from Winter Comfort and you're a, you're a local charity to Cambridge. What exactly do you offer?
5: Um, yeah, so we're, we're a day centre. We've been, we've been in Cambridge for 22 years now. Um, we're based on Victoria Avenue uh, in Overstream House and we offer um, a daytime service to the homeless and vulnerably housed in Cambridge two two parts to our service. We offer a welfare service um, sort of at the sharp end of things, so rough sleepers can come in have somewhere warm to go, um, they can get a quick breakfast um, shower, get cleaned, Our clothing store um, access to various support services, um, whether it's health, whether it's housing whether it's um, help with addictions, that sort of stuff um, that's sort of our, our morning service and in the afternoon we run a learning development service where people who perhaps are sleeping rough some people still want to study when they're when they're sleeping rough or people who are in hostels or being affected by homelessness can study and sort of learn skills job search um, ESOL we do everything from sort of um, accredited literacy and numeracy through to sort of arts and crafts and diy
1: so really what you're doing is you're setting people up you're helping them get out of the homeless situation it's all very well giving someone a house but if they need they need the other qualifications and the skills to be able to get where they want to be as well and that's that's pretty key isn't it yeah
5: yes indeed yeah and and you know a lot of people missed out on that um for whatever reason
1: yeah well it's Um. it is i mean it's very clear i mean there's been lots of studies done about it and i'm sure you know loads of them i mean the one that that's recently shot me was that the turning to payday lenders to to pay for pay for your rent and stuff currently which is quite quite a popular thing have you noticed um kind of Statistically wise, have you had a lot more people coming in since the economic downturn? Has that been kind of a recurrent thing or not?
5: Um, I think we have seen an increase in in support that we need to give our service users. Um, I don't know if I've seen an increase in. I guess there has been an increase in payday loans. I've I've done a bit of work with people um, who have been sort of trying to pay off payday loans, and I mean, as we know, the interest rates are horrendous. Oh, they're, they're criminal. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, we we I think. At Winter comfort, we tend to see more of an impact of the of the welfare reforms. The Department of Work and Pensions have become a lot stricter on um, on benefit claimants, and there's a, uh, a lot more sanctions and penalties that are being applied to people. Um, so we do quite a lot of support in trying to help people. Um, either appeal those or deal with the the, the the fallout of being sanctioned and having less money. And people do tend to payday loans. Yeah, and yeah. It's a spiral from there, on, I know, isn't it? I've,
1: I've certainly. I'm been walking around the streets. I have been, you know, been talking to people around who are who are on the streets and talking to them about things. And it's quite interesting to hear some of their stories. Um, so um, before we go to the traffic and travel, just the other question I wanted to ask you really is. Um, The community, I mean, it's very easy if you're walking down the high street and you're incredibly busy just to to turn a blind eye or just go, no, I haven't got time right now. What is it that the Cambridge community can do more to support people than rough sleepers, do you think? Um...
5: I mean there's always more that people can do um homelessness is quite a hard sell when it comes to sort of fundraising it's not um yeah it's not, it's not the most um, not the most appealing appealing topic in the world, but I guess really um if people can give their time they can they can volunteer they can volunteer at various charities a uh, winter comfort um there's a number of um Schemes where you can help charities um, through the the city council's alternative giving scheme. Um, I would definitely suggest that rather rather than giving to people who are begging on the street, because um, at least then you know it's going to a cause that's going to help help the people that need it
1: morning welcome along Cambridge 105 breakfast Merlin here till 10 about 8 minutes left until Mr Phil Rowe uh, comes into the studio and talks at you and plays some brilliant music for your mid-week show on of course your Wednesday morning of course the smell of burnt toast is always the symbol that he's here uh, it wouldn't be tradition without it's quite funny actually during that interview he ran out with the toaster so he didn't set the fire alarm off I'll be asking about that later on so I'm still of course got uh, James Martin in the studio thank you for staying around James for today and getting in hope you're drying off a bit more now Yes. Yeah, a feel a bit better. That's good. So, obviously, you're from Winter Comfort. So, we were discussing um, earlier about the work you do. Um, how do you fund it? I mean, you're a charity, so I'm guessing, what kind of events? Do you, do you run events and stuff like that?
5: Yeah, um, we, we get uh, about 20% statutory funding to fund our service, and the rest of it comes from uh, from our own our own sources and our own fundraising. Um, so, we've got um, grants that we apply for, and uh, community fundraising that goes on, and we've got a couple of events that are coming up um, which people can get involved with if Brilliant. they want? Yeah, go for it. Um, what we've got coming up? Yeah, we've got um, um, hold a simple supper for winter comfort um, for Lent. Um, so instead of giving up chocolate, um, then you can you can decide to to give up either a meal at a restaurant or or something for the for the period of that time and, and make a donation towards winter comfort.
1: Might do that instead of chocolate. That sounds like yeah, good yeah, yeah yeah at least I know yeah. It I can do that one.
5: Yeah, and then we, on um, May the fourth, we've got a woodland wookie walk. Um, in a, a Star Wars themed sponsored walk at Milton Country Park. Oh, right. So um, if people want to get involved and come along to that and, and get sponsored, um, there'll be a prize for the best costume. Um, and just um, May the 4th be with you on May mm. the 4th. And ah, come and join us for so our yeah, wait little for that Walk.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh well, uh, very competitive, so I might be doing that one as well. What else have you got? Anything else coming up at all?
5: Um, I think you can, always, you can always run for winter comfort. We've got quite a few. Yes. Uh, I know you're a keen runner. I am um, a keen
1: runner. Yeah, for so, my sins.
5: Yeah, yeah, well, m- me too. <laughs> um, well, they're not quite at your standard. Um, You'll get
1: there. You'll get addicted to it.
5: Yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. Um, so if people, people want to run for us, they can. Um, you can donate um, from our webpage uh, through JustGiving. So if you go to wintercomfort.org.uk, um, all the details are on there.
1: Okay, fantastic. Um, Thank you for coming in. Sorry it's been so short today, but I really appreciate your time today. Uh, You can go online and find more information about Winter Comfort, wintercomfort.org.uk. And, of course, just tell us where your drop-in centre is again for anyone who may want to know.
5: Yeah, so we're based on um, Victoria Avenue. Just by the bridge um, in Cambridge, so just as, just before you go over the river.
1: Fantastic. So if you know anyone who needs needs help or advice, they can go there. Of course, coming up next week, we plan to have another another guest in uh, from another organisation. Plus, if you're listening in and you're facing any kind of difficulty financially or potentially lose, risk of losing your home, you of course, go to Citizens Advice. And also do tap the local market for uh, places to go for advice because there are some brilliant places.
4: Mid-Mornings with Phil Rowe.
6: gilbert and sullivan society the uh, university has one uh, we'll find out how long that's been going for they've been performing at the cambridge art theater in the in arts theater in the past and also the adc theater it's also been home to performance in previous years housing those uh, various performances has rolled off i don't know how many performances they they do each year lots of questions to ask them. Uh, We meet a couple of members of the cast from the society now. Uh, In the studio with us, Freddie Tabner and Gabby Hay. Good morning to you both. Thanks very much for coming by in the rain. (laughs) Absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much for having us. A lot of people on push bikes, which is highly commendable because obviously you're all very green, but they're all arriving very soaked (laughs) today and asking where the radiator is Uh, so they can hang their leggings and their stockings and everything up to dry out. But I think looking out the window out there now, it's uh, not so bad, is it? I think it has actually finally stopped raining. You've been preparing for this particular performance which is taking place next week at the university's uh, west site uh, on the west road the, the west concert hall Do you know it's something we hear more and more about this uh, concert hall I think the university is uh, moving more and more towards uh, promoting this building and using it as a general arts and music performance centre it's quite a large venue it means you can have 450 people in in each performance which means you've moved up from the ADC theatre I suppose you promoting <laughs> yeah. yourself from the 250 seats you've got there so well done for that I mean, obviously you, you can have Ambitions towards going to the Cambridge Arts Theatre and in, in the future, I'd imagine, and moving up <laughs> even further because I think they've got something like. I th- they always say that theatre is very unlucky because it has 666 seats, <laughs> which <laughs> is a bit strange. And, and it's like, "So a big cast you've assembled. I know you've been uh, working on this as a society. I've looked at your website, which has been uh, there for the public to see too since uh, auditions, which took place, I think, last October, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, that's yes. absolutely right. Yeah,
7: long ago. Freddie,
6: you <laughs> were actually the." Uh, pretty much the, the top man uh, of uh, the organisation, aren't you? The, the, you're the president? Yes, sort of... so, yeah, theoretically I'm meant to be in charge this <laughs> year.
8: Um, so, yeah, um, I, I run the committee, I suppose, um, and we choose the shows and sort out the venues and stuff like that uh, and then appoint a director, producer and musical director to then run the show from there.
6: Um, of which we have three exceptionally talented people uh, to do pirates for. So it's very exciting. How do you find time to do all this? You must have a a lot of people helping and you must delegate out to people. You must have a treasurer, I'd imagine. Yes, yeah, exactly. So my committee are extremely hardworking this year.
8: Uh, We have a treasurer, we've got a secretary, we've got um, a stash rep... Um, stash. A stash rep You'll have so, to tell us What one so of those So yeah is. So a stash rep um, a Stash is what we call The university clothing With uh, our logos on it uh, And so for pirates We have these rather Natty red hoodies um, Which say Pirates the Penzance On the back And then your character name On the front um so our, our stash rep will organize that and things like that that's so, an incentive yeah. to
6: be a member of the cast you
8: absolutely know, get one of these yeah, for free yeah, i yeah. suppose well you know rest. you sort of you grow up at school um <laughs> with all of the sports teams having their own sports kit and stuff and as a you know theater um theater personal musician you just never have anything like that so it's really nice to come to university and find that it's <laughs> like a lot of us
6: wearing kermit green around the building as well as well <laughs> exactly corporate colors which goes with the goes with the the place and goes par with the course so you've been rehearsing since uh, it was kind of calling all cars in terms of calling all individuals uh, to come along to the auditions which you held back in the middle of october and uh, put together your cast there your rehearsal halls are down on the west road by the uh, actual um, concert hall themselves and it's where you you go down to to do all the rehearsals well, for the production. So
7: not really at the moment um actually we've been rehearsing up in clare college colony because our director is from Clare College, um, which has been great because it's right next to where I live. But um, <laughs> in what's called the Blythe Room in, in the colony. So
6: you uh, both are at university here. I know you're in your fourth year at the moment. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, studying what?
7: I study classics.
6: And yeah. uh, you, and Freddie? I'm I'm an engineer. Oh, um, good so, man! Yes, that's two of us then. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Oh,
8: fantastic. Uh, yeah, fantastic.
6: So you're at the University Engineering Laboratory, I guess, when you're not doing this. Yes, wasn't Trump yeah, absolutely, yes. and working yes. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So isn't it lovely yeah. that, that an engineer could do something so different as? Uh, uh, it's performing Gilbert and Sullivan exactly—it's the the amazing university experience that
8: you know you can do such polar opposites. Uh, I mean, I've literally just come from a lecture on signals and systems and yes. miserably complicated maths. In the communication laboratory or something. Uh, like exactly that. right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
6: Exactly. No, I, I know it yeah. well. I've uh, <laughs> tread those hallows halls myself uh, when not doing something as silly uh, and balmy as uh, presenting on the radio. We've got a couple of pieces of music, uh, Freddie. We're going to start with uh, your little performance, Yikes. which you hadn't heard yourself. <laughs> Until, <laughs> until we kind of like previewed it uh, to you just a little earlier on so this is uh, freddie tapner um we'll explain more about the actual opera and, and a little bit of operetta, we should really call it and the plot right after we hear this when a felon's not engaged <laughs>
9: A felon's not engaged in his employment employment. For maturing his felonious little plans His His capacity for innocent enjoyment enjoyment. Is just as great as any honest man Our feelings we with difficulty smother And constabulary duties to be be done Or take one consideration with another a policeman's lot is not a happy one. Oh, when when sanitary food is to be done to be, done, to be done. A policeman's lot is not a happy one. one. When the enterprising burglars, not a burgling oh, when the cutthroat isn't occupied in crime, in crime He loves to hear the little brook gurgling, gurgling. And listen to the merry village chime, the village chime. When the cost has finished jumping on his mother on his He son. loves to lie a basking in the sun or take one consideration with another a policeman's lot is not a happy one oh, when, when consagulary duties to be done to be done a policeman's lot is not a happy one
6: oh a policeman's lot is not a happy one or so sings freddie tapner there i think he was quite you're quite impressed with uh, that recording I, I was a happy one at that stage yeah <laughs> it
8: was well you know having having your voice played on the radio is quite
6: fun so <laughs> especially put together for cambridge 105 thanks for doing that we'll have another piece coming up uh, at the end of the in- interview as well that uh, gabby has put together which i think is an amazing uh, talented thing to be able to do as a soprano to be able to just get all those notes well, everyone who are here uh, a bit later on when we come to that particular piece as well. Thank you. So, give it. Are <laughs> oh, we here to flatter? So, that we should give you really the plot, I suppose. Young Fredri- Frederick, he's just turned twenty-one. He's been freed from his inadventures uh, or indentures to the infamous pirates of Penzance. Uh, bound by his unshakable sense of duty, uh, Frederick vows to destroy his former comrades once and for all and win the hand of Major General Stanley's lovely daughter, Mabel. He's across the studio from me. At least the character is in the process of that. But the pirates aren't ready to let their former apprentice off the hook quite so easily. Uh, featuring Gilbert's uh, trademark wit and some of the Sullivan's, uh, some of the most famous music, it probably would be one of the top three operettas that they did write and produce together. That's this swashbuckling, uh, this adventure will see what rules uh, victorious over the heart of our hero, love or duty. So how the <laughs> rehearsals going towards this <laughs> in the meantime? they
8: going really well, actually. Like, we've had... Um, we came back to term a week early. Um, we we learnt all the music at the end of last term. And then we came back uh, a week early for term and we had intensive 12-hour rehearsal days um, for probably
6: eight days in a row, I think. Yeah, yeah. Eight, eight days or so. Oh, really? Um, Just what, turn up at 8 in the morning and work through till 5 in the evening? or Yes, how long nine, in it takes. W- nine. <laughs> 9 in the morning. Warm up at 9. 9 in the morning. Give you an hour off in bed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's dedication, it really is. And we were able to get everybody together to do this. I mean, the whole cast. Get- mostly. Yeah, mostly, absolutely.
8: I think everyone... Um, just really enjoys it, and so we're all really happy to give up our time.
7: It's definitely um, more love than duty.
6: Yeah, it is definitely more love. Than <laughs> duty. And even getting the Absolutely. orchestra out of bed, I don't know, on an earth. On an earth on well, the orchestra has special on a, special rehearsal times on a Monday um, morning.
8: So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you have, have to have, work
6: with them. So obviously, you need. Uh, you must be at the technical um, rehearsal stage by now.
8: Yes, so we had a um, fantastic rehearsal where we put the cast and orchestra together on Sunday. And that's the first time that the orchestra have heard the cast and the cast have heard the orchestra. And so these sort of lovely moments where the cast would be singing and the orchestra would sort of turn round to look at us and go, oh, wow, that does actually sound quite good. And then there'd be moments when the cast were listening so intently to this amazing orchestra that you'd almost forget to come in. It was sort of like, oh, oh I need to sing now, of course, yeah, rather than just listen.
6: <laughs> just bringing it all together for the first time is a very special moment. Isn't yeah. It? Because it makes it feel like it's all worthwhile, yeah. all this rehearsal, just getting the right notes together. Yeah. So you've got a good uh, uh, producer, director, and also a musical director working with you on this. Yes, absolutely. Lovely Alan.
7: Yes, Alan is great. Um, he's actually a double bass player as well as a conductor, um, and, but he's uh, been, at most of the rehearsals, helping us singers. Do they come from out.
6: outside the university, these people? or are they? No, uh, no, they're, they're, friends, they're all, all, students. All, all students. All students, so yeah, they're all, yeah, yeah. You know, you're all relatively young people, well compared to me. It's, a, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing young what
7: the production team are doing, because they're so busy and they have their academic work as well, but they're doing a fantastic
6: job. And costumes. Now, I can tell you guys, you probably don't know this, that just across the yard from us here at Cambridge 105, you do know in Gwiler yes, Street, is County Wardrobe. <laughs> County Wardrobe are providing the costumes for you.
8: Absolutely. They are so lovely. Lovely Lynn there at County Drama. Um, we were... or well, I was there for about two hours yesterday trying on about 75 different policeman outfits to try and get the right one. <laughs> but I can exclusively reveal on Cambridge 105 that I will be wearing a policeman's cape a policeman's cape—that is the most exciting <laughs> well, costume I've ever been allowed to wear.
7: <laughs> hey, I get a bustle.
6: That's quite cool. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. Actually, I can imagine, uh, Gabby, that that's, d- you must have an assistant costumier or somebody backstage to get you into your bustle. Well, I hope so. A <laughs> bustle—it <laughs> <laughs> must be it's very actually difficult.
7: Actually, quite easy to get into. It yeah. just ties around the waist, and then you put the skirt on over. You've top, dried but... it on.
6: Is it quite comfortable to wear for a—you yeah. know—for how long is the performance? In fact. I think it'll be about two and a half hours. That's including yeah. a 15-minute interval. Oh, that's, so and that's That's quite long. I mean, yeah. people will come along engrossed and will really enjoy it. I mean, if you can get 450 people in, this, I'm sure you will. Uh, how yeah. are the tickets selling at the moment? We're doing very well, actually. Um, the
8: The matinee is very close to selling out now. So if you're keen on the Saturday matinee, Saturday the 8th, um, you need to book your tickets very soon. And then the, the other shows are really, really doing very well now. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's a question of um, just... I, I think lots of people know that they want to come, but haven't <laughs> quite booked their tickets we yet. We shall encourage so, them. Yeah. We should give out <laughs> all the details
6: of uh, where to get your tickets from and a special promotion as well, which, we've, which we're have going to do uh, if you give a certain code into... Uh, I think it's the website, isn't it? The, you're booking mm. through the ADC, which Absolutely. is the University's Theatre. Yep. That's the website to go to. We'll make sure all those details are given out. Let's have... Um, um, well, let's talk to you a bit more, Gabby, about um, your your past. I, nobody would ever, I think, from listening to you, know that you are actually from the USA. In fact, from Ohio. <laughs> you really. I, when I first met you this morning, I thought, "Gosh, you've got to be from um, somewhere uh, in in sort of Central Europe." But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, I get lost. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've been very anglicised because you've been here what about four years or something like that yes, now, that's and, right. and uh, so what? Do you, what is it actually you are studying at? Because uh, you are in your fourth year here. What are you studying at Cambridge?
7: Well, I'm studying classics with an emphasis on linguistics, philosophy and literature rather than the archaeology side of things. Um, So right now I'm very engrossed in the Aeneid by Virgil, (laughs) (laughs) which is wonderful fun.
6: I'm well into the part of Mabel.
7: Yes, that's Shall we hear
6: you sing now? I am really looking forward to this. This is amazing, Gabrielle. This Mm -hmm. is Gabrielle Haig here, ladies and gentlemen, and Poor Wandering One. Isso! palma is so impressive gabrielle how did you <laughs> manage to you. do that all, not in one take though you tell me just off air
7: no it took a few yeah um you know getting things lined up properly with the orchestra and, and
6: you were in the sound uh, booth with your headphones on so you could yes, hear the music that's right. and every all everyone else could hear was just your lovely solo voice from, from <laughs> some from afar while you were doing that marvelous so you're pretty much ready for a curtain up next wednesday we'll give out more details about about that just a little bit more information i think uh, we'll ask you uh, freddie about the uh, cambridge university gilbert and sullivan society when was it founded um
8: so we've recently celebrated our 50th anniversary actually so about 50 years ago now 52 years ago um and so yeah it's it's amazing really um i've just written a sort of little blog for the uh for the program and just sort of thinking back over it like 50 years is quite a long time for 50 student committees um, to, to keep it sort of funded and to keep the money going, um, which is which is rather exciting, I think. And so, over the yeah.
6: years, uh, many people who are famous are now, maybe treading the boards in national theatre, um, Yeah, so um, um, that have uh, been through your books, shall we say? Yeah, from the university over so, the years.
8: Um, I believe uh, Griff Reese Jones was um, directed one of our shows oh, back really? in the day, um, and yeah, a, a, a couple of notable conductors as well. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a good sort of. A, a good uh stomping ground i suppose for for future performers <laughs> fantastic
6: we shall give out some details now about how you can get hold of the tickets uh you can go uh to the adc theater box office directly i guess you could probably go down to park street and uh, uh, talk to them directly to order some tickets the performances start from next wednesday with a matinee on wednesday week obviously a week today uh, through to saturday week isn't it with a, the matinee performance Absolutely. which is filling up fast at 2 15. Uh, If you want to get hold of tickets, uh, the Cambridge number as well, you can call for the box office, Cambridge number 01223 300 085. That's 3,085. We'll give out these details again. It will be held at the uh, performances will be at the West Road Concert Hall. Uh, The um, evening performances... Wednesday through Saturday, start with curtains up at uh, quarter to eight. Uh, there are, should be plenty of tickets still left, but we know they are selling fast too. Uh, the website is uh, www.adcticketing.com, adcticketing.com. Now, there's a special code to give you two pounds off on the initial performance. That's next Wednesday. If you quote Cambridge 105, all Absolutely. in lower case, all together, no full stops, no punctuations, Cambridge 105, put that into the website, when you book online, and they'll give you two pounds off on your ticket, each individual ticket. Won't it be for that Wednesday Absolutely. performance at quarter to eight? Both of you, good luck. Thank Do you. we say um, to op- operator performers break a leg? I suppose we would otherwise to so. performers yeah, yeah. on stage. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> when you've got uh, another performance coming up, can we can we just tell everyone what the next main performance for the next main term is yet? Yeah? Absolutely.
8: We, so we um, we are about to start casting for Princess Ida. Which we're taking to the International Gilbert and Sullivan Festival in Harrogate, um, and, and that'll then, be for the summer. That'll be for the summer, exactly. And then, following that, we are then doing HMS Pinafore um, down at the amazing uh, open air um, Minack Theatre in Cornwall. Oh, in Cornwall on the coast, Absolutely. right on up yeah. on the cliffs. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. What a setting. Um, so yeah, two really really big shows to come with enormous sort of uh, reaches to different places. Um, so yeah, Cambridge Cambridge goes across
6: the United Kingdom uh, this summer. Good for you. Enjoy that. I hope if you, if you decide to be uh, casting uh, ahead to the next performance after the one for next week, good luck with Pirates of Penzance. Thank you Thank you and uh, thank you very much for coming in today. That thank was you for Freddie having us. Thank <laughs> you, Freddie Tapner and Gabby Haig. your city Merlin Kazarin.
1: So, we have now got our uh, fantastic guest in the studio. Good morning, James Cogel. How are you? I'm okay, thanks, Merlin. How are you? I was getting through. I want coffee. Lots of coffee. Lots of caffeine, I think. But it's Friday. It's Friday. The weekend's only here. It's so always best day of the week. I spotted you when you were busking outside the Grafton Centre, didn't I? Yep. Uh, what were you playing at the time when I spotted you? I think I was playing Killers. I think it was Mr Brightside. It was I think it was. Like it was something like that, because it, it caught my attention. It was a really good detail. So, thank you for coming in today. Um, so, you're all currently a student. Uh, yep. What you Studying? I'm doing performing arts, actually. And um, where's that at? That's uh Anglia Ruskin, on okay. the road. And uh, how long have you been studying that one for? Uh, it's about a year and a half now. A year and a half? Oh, okay, so how long are you into your course then? That's, that's, that's pretty much literally Oh, you're halfway. coming halfway through? Yeah,
10: yeah, because it's a three year, it's three year course now, literally right in the middle. So it's, it's, going, it's going good. It's good. going good.
1: Alright, and what are, your, what are your plans and ambitions after that? Have you got any?
10: Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, I'd love to be a performer, but I'm thinking of afterwards taking a master's degree in maybe drama therapy or something something along those lines.
1: Okay, that's really interesting. Um, I think I had a discussion with someone else about um, doing something therapy-wise with music, which is, is really interesting. So, we got you in because we're doing a, we, I Love Cambridge. You're not originally from Cambridge, are you? Where are you from? And tell me why you... Well, we know why you ended up here originally, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. how many other universities did you apply for as well? Um, well, I'm originally from Kent,
10: um, deepest, darkest Kent. Um, <laughs> which part? Come on, be honest. Uh I'm, I'm from Gravesend, which is not the best part of Ken to be able to say that you're from, but it's it's Oh, it's all right. Yeah. It's fine. Say it's it with fine. your head held high. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. You're at uh, Cambridge. That's yeah. that's the important bit. Yeah, exactly. Um no, I've I applied for a couple of other universities, um, but Ruskin was Ruskin was the one that I really wanted to go to. My backup um was pretty much the only other one that I actually got because um because for for the type of course that I'm doing, I had to do auditions for some okay. other universities, and only one of my other ones actually said, "Yeah, you, you're you good enough to come." Okay, all right. Um, then. But um, I had I had my backup as uh, Chichester, and I also got in. I also got um a place at East Seventeen in uh, South End. Okay. East Seventeen Drama School. Oh right. But I decided to come to Ruskin instead, because it's
1: it's it's more of a university. And that 's more the kind of thing that I wanted, okay, so let me ask you, put it straight out there. What do you love about cambridge what's the best thing about Cambridge for you
10: well where, where I used to live, I was in a really rural area. I mean it, there was you had to literally drive for about ten minutes to get to the nearest shop of any form, really, so for me personally, when I first came here it was it was it was I really kind of like the whole relative closeness of the entire city, like no matter kind of where you are in the city. You're never too far from anything, to be perfectly honest. And I think that's i think that's a really nice thing
1: to have in a city of this kind. OK. Uh, so, have you, though, converted to cycling? Oh! <laughs> um,
10: I, I did want to. I did want to when I first came here, but... Um, my The bike that I have... And the bike that I have back at home is not a particularly good one, and I've had it since I was about what thirteen,
1: I think. Okay, so it's it's it's, it's a child's bike. It's it's
10: yeah, kind of. I'll be honest, I
1: can't even cycle. I don't know how to ride a bike. So <laughs> for me, cycling around Cambridge is is quite quite yeah. a dangerous idea. Yeah, uh, t- I'll tell you what. I mean, everyone does their,
10: well, most people do their cycling proficiency when they're in um, primary school. But when I was due to do mine. Uh, I broke my arm literally the day before. So Were you practicing? I have been pract... No, no, I have been practicing, but no, I didn't break it practicing. I broke it um, ice skating, <laughs> but I broke it literally the night before I was due to do the um, cycling proficiency test. And so I've never done it. So all right, okay, so you're
1: <laughs> like me. You you escaped the the torture of cycling proficiency. I I, I,
10: I escaped somehow. Right, <laughs> you so have a broken arm instead. It's always the best way. Always to the go. best
1: way to do it. So let's go on to your musical kind of your musical interests and your musical yeah, talent. Because yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I heard you play, Mister. Br- I heard I listened to you. You'd play a couple of songs, to be fair, and yeah. actually, it was quite nice because it'd been quite a long day. When I, about two o'clock, wasn't it, that you were busking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'd been quite a long day, and I was quite tired, <laughs> and I was on the way to the bus stop. It made me smile because it was so refreshing. The thing I love about Cambridge is wherever you go, there is always someone playing something. Yeah, it's 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 really not it's really nice in that respect, actually. Um, so, I mean, when you so, I mean, you bus quite a lot, or is that just a, a one-off chance? I do, I do try to busk
10: at least at least twice a week, just because. Same spots, or usually, usually the same spot. I have a little spot outside the Primark in the Gartham Centre that I usually go to, but sometimes I'll branch out and go to other places. I think I think it's quite nice though if if you're in one place, then people will know. Oh, this guy's back again. Yeah, it was it was.
1: It's interesting because I I am still getting to know the city to be fair. I've only been here for what nearly nearly 4 weeks. And um I got a bit lost a couple of weeks ago. And I was walking around um, I was walking around the uh, the studio the, the <laughs> center uh, and I found it quite um, Quite lovely that there was this couple who, I think they were playing a, a Fleetwood Matt track, and they were doing, um, I can't remember, what I think it might have been Rumours, actually. Uh, and they were, they were doing, they were just, just duetting randomly. They weren't even busking, they just had a lunch break, and I got chatting to them, it was really interesting. Yeah. So let's, let's go to your musical, inter- your musical interests and your musical kind of choices. Who do you say influences you in music?
10: Most, it's, it's mostly kind of um, pop-punk stuff. I mean, stuff that I listened to in my, in my childhood was not the kind of things you, you usually associate with. Childhood in, in this kind of day and age, but when I was when I was young in the like late 90s, early 2000s, we had you know some 41, Blink 182, um, Wheatus and you know all, all of those kinds of bands, and that was uh, they, they have been a really big influence on me, and that's that's really the kind of music that I try to play when I'm busking, not only because you know they've influenced me personally, but also because you don't actually hear people busking them very often.
1: You no, know, you tend to hear <laughs> classic tracks that are like like done to death. And value, yeah, exactly. Um, which is quite nice to hear. It was quite, that's, that was quite a shock when I heard you play Mr Brightside, for example. It was actually quite, quite a shocking track to hear people play because people don't, don't do that. I normally tend to hear stuff by Don McLean or nothing's wrong with yeah, it, but I hear yeah. lots of that, lots of, lots of classic tracks. So we're going to your first track that you have requested from us today. Uh, now, it's a track that I'd love to actually hear you try and busk. Uh, we're going with Bastille as your first, your first track that you did yeah. suggest. Why did you choose Pompeii?
10: Uh, it is actually a track that I busk. It? Is it? Really? Yeah, okay. It is. We'll have to, to chat that one really out. It really is. Um, yes, um, it's, it's one of my favourite songs of 2013. I think it's an absolutely. I, I just think it's an absolutely amazing song. It's brilliantly written and yeah it's it's a brilliantly brilliantly crafted song
1: it's certainly a song for the summer wasn't it yeah it was yeah it sums up the summer so you heard it here first ba- bastille with Pompeii is our first track here on cambridge's 105's very first i love my city it's time imagine dragons 953 on your uh, friday morning the 31st of january 2014 hello james you're back in the studio thank you for sticking around no problem so that was your second track i uh, asked you for three didn't i now why yeah, did you yeah. choose that one in particular um it's a really good track honestly
10: um yeah when when people when, when you say to someone that you, that you, like imagine dragons they I always, always just go oh okay so radioactive but no this 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 is it's it's a pretty solid track I do like it
1: it's a pretty it's probably um because there are quite a few on that album aren't there that, yeah, but, yeah, yeah that they are but again they're not commonly busked with
10: no 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 i I have started to attempt to busk that one. I already do Busk Radioactive as well, but... Okay,
1: fantastic. (laughs) All right, then, brilliant. Well, um, what we'll do is um, we'll get you back in at some point to get you to play a session for us, and that would be brilliant as well. That would be amazing. Um, So, so before we get to your last track, um, I want to talk to you about, um, kind of a bit more about life in Cambridge. So, you've been here a year and a half. Yeah. uh, And, obviously, there's the closeness of everything, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, And, also, what what else is there about Cambridge that really, really sets... You know, if you had to sell Cambridge to someone, what would be the ultimate thing for you? If I had to sell Cambridge to someone... Well,
10: I I would... I, w- I will go with the obvious one that there's loads of really nice people, which is. <laughs> it's a up. very friendly city. Yeah, yeah no, it is. No, it's, pe- people, people would probably laugh at that sentiment, but but it's it's a true sentiment. There's, it's it's a really friendly city. I mean, that you can we well, can walk down any street and you, and you can, it, it it's people are just really friendly here, and I. Obviously, I really like that. You, you won't, you, you'll never hear someone say no. I don't like it when people are friendly to me. I prefer them to, to just
1: literally look at me and hate me. Yeah, I've come from <laughs> London, so I'm used to people completely blanking only who smile at them and look so shocked. So here, it's quite nice. Like yeah. walking down the street yesterday, some random woman said, "Have a nice day," which was it. Just yeah. nice. It's a pleasant yeah. place to be. Yeah, it's it's really pleasant. Um, and
10: obviously, I've said have said I uh, said before about it, uh, there's lots. Of, there's a really good music scene. There's a really good theatre scene as well. Very popular. Which is obviously for me if I, because i'm doing the performing arts degree obviously that's very good for me but it's but there's there's quite a good variety in what you can see and do and I think that's that's probably the best thing it's not just the fact that you can do all of this but also but also just the the pure variety of what you can do in around the city
1: yeah the art scene here is is very um oh it's just moving so fast and it's nice there's always something new on yeah it's nice to explore so let's go to your final track yep um, you've chosen uh, Snow Patrol with Signal Fire is there any yep. particular reason um, well hopefully
10: well hopefully my brother will be listening to this it's one of his favourite songs of all time that's why, that's why I chose it but Snow, Snow Patrol are really well Snow Patrol for me are just some of the best lyrics in the world and this track is absolutely no exception
1: all right, well, we don't say any more about it. We'll play it for you now. Signal Fire, Snow Patrol. Thank you so much for joining me, James. On One Breakfast today.
3: From 10 till 1.
1: Mid-mornings with Linda Ness. Cambridge 105.
3: The Vikings are the largest Dark Age reenactment society in the UK. With over 1,000 members from Shetland to Kent. And Ooskjar is its Cambridge branch well, for want of a better word, I didn't quite know how to put that, actually. Uskjar, recreate the life and military history of the Vikings, Saxons, Celts, the Normans, between the 800s and the 1100s AD. And we're very lucky to have one of their members with us today. Welcome to Cambridge 105, Alex Cooper. Well, thank you, Linda. So, Alex... Obviously, I'm hoping that I survive the interview with you because, you know, obviously quite a ferocious ferocious sounding group. Tell us... (laughs) I'm not that scary. (laughs) (laughs) We don't look ferocious. (laughs) Tell us what it means to be a member of Uskiar. What what does the group do?
11: Well, essentially, we're a close-knit group um, working to a common goal, which is to bring history to life and into the day-to-day lives of the general public, educating them in a way that TV and the school curriculum isn't necessarily able to achieve. Uskia have a good balance of combat and living history, warriors and craftsmen, craftswomen, and many who do both. We're quite a well-educated bunch from a wide diversity of backgrounds and careers with a shared love of the Dark Ages, and it has to be said, dressing up. Being part of Uskia has been like part of an extended family um, we have a lot of fun together we have our moments but we make a great team and it's very rewarding oh it
3: sounds very very good what, what period of history does Uskiar cover represent you know early saxon
11: right through to the norman conquest that's about 420 ad up to the battle of hastings and everything in between As many as possible take part in the reenactment of the Battle of Hastings every year around its anniversary. And for those of you who dozed off in GCSE (laughs) history, that's the 14th of October 1066. (laughs) Strangely enough, not in Hastings itself, but at Battle Abbey, which is a few miles inland. Uh At the earlier extreme, by about 640 years, some of us spend a few days a year at Westow Anglo-Saxon Village near Bury St Edmunds. You need a whole different set of kit for that and no combat is allowed. It's very much about how people lived and worked in the 5th century.
3: Is that more your kind of thing, Alex? Yeah,
11: I do like doing that, yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that. And and you know, you sound like you really know what you're talking about. There's a lot of research going into and to get all the details and the, the living history accurate.
11: Absolutely. It's almost cutting edge in as much as every time a new archaeological discovery is made, our ideas of how they lived and fought it can change in a heartbeat.
3: You know, I had a thought thought of that because you kind of think of it as being history set in stone but you're
11: right I guess it does. Mm. They keep digging stuff up that changes everything. Technology has changed our understanding of historical events for the better Um, and as a group we're really lucky to have members who are specialist historians their knowledge and understanding has led them to the positions of authenticity officers, one for the group and one for the whole society it's really important to get the details absolutely right from the type of clothing they wore from one decade to the next, the food that they ate, no tomatoes, no potatoes. No, nothing Um, important of (laughs) course. No, to the accuracy of the chronology and the battle lines. Um, Members are always discussing new finds and theories and it can get a bit colourful sometimes (laughs) but the exchange of ideas is Invaluable. But that's
3: just lively debate, isn't it, yeah. presumably? That's people who are passionate about something, Yeah, and that's great. Everyone, yeah, total passion. Yeah. And the public, do they, do, can they come along and watch
11: you? Oh, yes, welcome them. Um, generally, our group, about 40 folks, um, take part in events where either the whole society is involved, like Hastings, or events where other historical periods are also represented, such as the Peterborough Heritage Festival near the end of June. Um, these are organised by specialist event management teams and are a major undertaking on all sides. We've also taken part in smaller scale shows for events such as Aldruths, Blossoms and Bygones. Mm-hmm. If you want to visit any of our shows, there are always events advertised on our website. there um, be a bit more about that later, so mm-hmm. grab a pencil. Mm-hmm
3: and what about schools
11: do you get involved with educating children yes we do um, various society members a crb checked to take the viking experience into school and spend a whole or a half day with the children exploring history in a really unique and hands-on way that kids absolutely love our group leader has developed an education program called gripping history and it's <sighs> Um, the title's based on our group logo which is a Celtic knot with gripping hands and she takes that into local schools. In the past we've been involved in making TV programmes too it's hard work, great experience and fantastic way of getting history right into the heart of people's homes and schools Is
3: this documentary type programmes?
11: or Yeah, yeah. Um, BBC Schools BBC History, uh-huh. yeah, so if there's any Key Stage 2
3: teachers listening there's an education page on the website too So Alex, the combat tell us about that, I know that you don't really take part in that side yourself but how real does it look to the onlooker
11: well it's like any kind of stagecraft it's done very well and it looks amazing and very scary Uh, the golden rule is never to say sorry within earshot of the crowd if you accidentally (laughs) hit someone a bit too hard my husband's taken a few blows that needed a bit of first aid Mm. he never seems particularly worried about it even when there's been blood flowing from his eyebrow just adds to the authenticity (laughs) There are strict rules about how combat is undertaken and the society's safety record is actually very, very good, excellent, in fact. Um, at the big events, we have cavalry as well. And this is really impressive with warriors mounted on native ponies charging at the shield wall. I've done it in training and fell off a couple of times. Brilliant.
3: <laughs> oh, really? Gosh, that is amazing. And and I see from the website that each member of the group has a, a Viking name. Is that right? So tell us more about that. And are you all effectively playing a character?
11: Well, yes, we are. We have to build up a character who is plausible and easy for us to maintain, but also being historically accurate as possible. It's useful if you can create a character loosely based on your own within reason, such as your position in your family structure and maybe your line of work. I'm a technology teacher and a textile specialist, so becoming Aswin, the village weaver, wasn't far removed from reality. I have four children, so then again, not very different from a woman of a 1,000 years ago. Our family even has a Viking dog, <laughs> We've got a little Swedish valand, Um, and They're little herding dogs that the Vikings brought over here a thousand years ago.
3: And d- does a dog go with you as well when you're doing reenactments? She
11: does, yeah, she's great. <laughs>
3: She takes part
11: as well. Well, (laughs) she sits in the back of the tent being very good. She's not actually scared of any loud noises, which is very useful.
3: Yeah. I guess if she's been doing that since she was a puppy, then she'll be used to it, actually.
11: Yeah, she's still a puppy, though, so she's a bit bonkers at the moment.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, (laughs) Aswin, what made you you want to join the group?
11: (laughs) Well... My family originally joined the Viking Society in 2002 because we saw a, another local group reenacting at our town's annual fair and were taken with the idea of doing something really unique and unusual that our whole family could be involved in. We asked to join Ooskia in 2007 because we got quite friendly with a few of them through other events and they are a very well respected group within the society. We all do our best to deliver a good experience to the public and we've won awards for it. Mm-hmm. Evenings spent singing, eating and drinking around the campfire after all the visitors have gone home are the best. Um, There's a tremendous sense of camaraderie, and even when we're back to our regular lives, we continue to keep in touch and support each other.
3: Yeah, how how often do you meet then? Well, we meet about
11: once a month off season. The actual main event season runs from April to mid-October. Uh, kicks off with a huge banquet for 200 plus Vikings just before Easter time and then a full society training weekend with an all thing. Now that's based on the old Viking parliament where everyone gets the opportunity to air grievances and reward achievements. Obviously, we all try to get to as many shows as possible, and I'm not really sure if the anticipation of an upcoming show isn't for the socialising and showing off new Uh kit rather than the job of entertaining the public. (laughs) As I say, in the off-season, we meet about once a month to train, make kits, solve problems, catch up on gossip Mm -hmm. and eat. Food and drink feature very large in our social life, just as it did in the days of the Vikings. Is that
3: Viking food that you're trying to eat then, or is it... Um, Depends on whether the public are around. (laughs) (laughs) We're allowed what
11: um, we call contraband, and that's only sort of out of hours when... People can't see us sort uh-huh. of eating sneaky stuff.
3: Otherwise, you're ripping sides out of animals <laughs> with your teeth. Um, well, we've got—I think we've got about three vegetarians in our group. So <laughs> <laughs>
11: um, we try and keep it as authentic as possible. Yeah. 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 Sounds great.
3: And having learned a lot about this time, do you? This is a this is a strange question. Do you sometimes wish? That you were back in the 10th century.
11: Ooh, yeah, I had a good think about this. It's easy to play at living in the dark ages, especially when the weather's fine. You know, <laughs> sleeping under canvas and cooking breakfast and all the other meals over an open fire is a great experience. And while you can sneak a cup of tea on a chilly day or have a hot bath when you get home from a cold and soggy show you know i'd love to not have to deal with today's uniquely modern stresses and the simplicity of that ancient lifestyle and the sense of belonging to a small family community is very appealing being away from it all even for a few days is wonderful but in reality the daily round of physical, hard work. Survival.
3: Survival. Yeah.
11: Survival. Wood yeah. smoke from cooking fires, chapped and raw hands, limited medication, and the short lifespan it'd make it a very tough life.
3: Yeah, I suppose it would. Mm. Actually, you could be talking about 100, 100 odd years ago as well. Yeah,
11: yeah, that's quite
3: but, true. But, but far worse in those days, I, mm. I guess. There was, really was nothing. And uh, if anyone's interested in joining the group, how, how would they go about it? Is it open to people to, to join?
11: Well, it's not at all difficult to join the Viking Society. If we like you and you like us. Um, the best way to do it is to visit the society website. Now, this is at www.vikingsonline.org.uk. You go to the membership page, then group search, and then the UK list. We do actually have much farther flung groups. Uh-huh. Um, have a look at the various groups in your region, and then contact the leaders via email to discuss the possibility of joining so that's www.vikingsonline.org.uk. Vikings Online. <laughs> great. <That's>
3: great. <laughs> it's been fantastic hearing about this from you this morning. Thank actually, you. I was really looking forward to this. Oh, it's, great. it's lived yeah. up to my expectation. It's, oh, been, wonderful. it's been really, really interesting. I think it sounds like a great thing to do and be part of, actually. Oh, you'll
11: have you... to come along and watch one day.
3: I will, actually. You'll have to yeah. keep in touch with me and let me know when there's one on. Yes, and uh, And I'll do that.